Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mariella Meets. I'm Mariella Frostrup, and each week I'll be bringing you a selection of the best interviews from our favorite guests. Movers and shakers from the worlds of art and entertainment, politics, business, music, and wider society to discuss everything from their latest endeavors to career highlights and early beginnings. Intimate, in-depth talk with pioneering talents and fascinating folk discussing the stuff that matters to them and how they scaled the slippery slopes of success. He saved many a Christmas dinner and we'll see him on our screens again this year for Channel 4's two-part Christmas special, Together. I am, of course, talking about celebrated British chef or the king of British popular cuisine, as I've dubbed him, Jamie Oliver. (laughs) Since he graced our screens in The Naked Chef, Jamie has fronted 30 television series, published 33 books, cooked for the Queen and been awarded an MBE with book sales of over, oh my goodness, 174.5 million. He's the UK's second biggest selling author of all time, trailing only J.K. Rowling. This season, he's not just on a festive mission to ensure your sprouts aren't soggy and the turkey isn't dry. It's a mission that brought him to fame decades ago to ensure school meals across the country are nutritious. According to new data, school uh, food standards aren't being enforced in an estimated 60% of schools and child obesity rates are at a record high with um, 25.5% of children in year six classes classed as obese. Jamie Oliver joins me now. Welcome, Jamie. I'm exhausted just reading out your list of plaudits. Um, Yeah, what an intro. (laughs) But you have, it's all all stuff you've done. I can't help it. Um, uh, Jamie, you have said in the past that you don't like a ruck, but this issue of school meals, school dinners is a, I think at last count, 16 year long Ruck, mm. are you telling me that school dinners are still as unhealthy as ever, despite your enthusiastic and unflagging uh, commitment to the cause? Um, bless you. Look, I, I, I think um, without question, 16 years ago, um, that intervention uh, publicly, uh, socially, financially, uh, through legislation and government uh, improved all school dinners, for sure. Um, but, you know, the question is, is it good enough? Is it fit for purpose? And, and I guess most importantly, I guess as a metaphor for everything that you hear people talking about in government, has the thing, the great idea, the legislation, the standards, whatever it may be, has it been delivered on? And the only way you can tell 
the taxpayers and the public, if that's true or not, is if it's measured. Um, so one of our frustrations has been for 16 years, and, and yes, I've been working on it ever since. <laughs> I've been on it, there's been a team on it ever since, and, you know, trying to justify the importance of the school breakfast and lunch uh, for British kids 190 days of the year um, is a constant narrative that has to be sort of like echoed and, and, and reinforced. Um, but uh, it's not being measured. Um, and when we have done a study on seeing how many of the schools of the 26,000 schools are meeting the legislation, your legislation, um, it looks about 40% are delivering on those standards. Um, so look, first of all, I mean, to, 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 to finish your question, um, there's some amazing schools out there doing incredible jobs. Um, good practices, much, much better. But, you know, we're not really asking for you to sort of um, vote for or pay for good. We, we want the best for our kids and most importantly, every child. So for the 60% or thereabouts um, that aren't meeting standards, um, why and what can we do to fix that? But of course, we can't do anything. We can't, um, you know, give them any help or support um, unless we know. And at the moment, the government seem to be happily blind in this service that's far from consistent. Jamie, is this a case, dare I ask, of like no more Mr. Nice Guy from you? Because, of course, we all think of you as the nice guy. Uh, but it feels now that you're getting out the stick instead of the carrot. You know, in the in the past, you've praised prime ministers who presided over a, a rise in poverty levels, but have paid at least lip service to changing the situation when it comes to school meals and, and obesity. It, it feels like it's time to get feisty. Is that how you're feeling? Well, I think I'm older and therefore more grumpy, more impatient. I mean, I've learned a lot of things the hard way and I've been dilly-dallying around with, you know, five prime ministers, nine education secretaries, and I've seen it, smelt it and felt it. And I'm a bit annoyed about it because just like you, I'm a voter and, and, uh, and, and I just want to move on to things that are truly important. This is a nuance. It's a very important, ridiculous nuance that should have been sorted 16 years ago. Um, we should be, the, the problem is, is, the target, the child, you know, individual and, and national child health um, is depleting vastly. We're the most unhealthy kids. We have the most unhealthy kids in Western Europe, uh, if not most of Europe. Um, and COVID particularly, and I think that's what makes it relevant now. I know we're all dealing with a lot of stuff, but the lens of COVID has only amplified um, if you look at the graph since millennia, it's been curving up consistently. But the last year is a pivot up. Uh, it's really dangerous pivot. So we're talking one in three kids in primary school age school is overweight or obese. And, and, and sadly, when you study nutrition, um, that, that more than often tracks into teenage, early adult, um, you know, less productivity, more absenteeism, higher cost to the NHS, um, less productivity and early mortality. So I think, you know, I, I, I know I'm biased, but this is our kids, not my kids. And um, and, and really, it's not just the, the conversation about what's right morally. Um, it's not just the conversation about the free school lunch kids. Um, which has been brought into the press through Marcus Rashford in, with holiday hunger in, in recent months in lockdown. Um, but it's really a story about Britain in the next 20 years being productive, healthy, creative, profitable as a country, not just a family or a business. So, yeah. um, I mean, you say you want to move on to something that's truly important. And yet, I mean, I, I know uh, that, you, that you think this is truly important and, and, 
it yeah. seems astonishing profoundly um that 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 we have this incredibly bad food culture but we all know that the first kind of 15 to 18 years of of a, of a child's life are the most important nutrition nu- nutritionally and mm-hmm. that if you don't yeah. get the best food then and you don't get the right you know stuff to fuel your body that for the rest of your life you're going to be affected by that absolutely i mean if you're passionate about really good outcomes for everyone and an optimal nation um and every child then the two places you can spend your pound as a taxpayer is is school and particularly uh, primary school, uh, but obviously secondary school as well. Um, there's still no standards for nursery. So the, in, in the last 16 years, they've been avoiding that. Um, and also the second that a woman gets pregnant, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the kind of the eye of the storm. That's when you can get uh, incredible value for society. So um, we're not we're not delivering on any of them at the moment. Um, there are amazing schools. There are amazing cooks and and. Of course, I'm only full of gratitude and respect for for those cooks and head teachers that that have the whole school approach and and place the nourishing of the kids centrally alongside English and maths and and, and learning as a whole. But um, but we do need consistency. And, and um, if you talk to parents, it is a mixed bag. You know, mm. some applauding and some very frustrated. And of course, that gets all the more. I guess, vulnerable, um, the poorer the community that you go into. And if you look at the statistics of the last year of the National Measurement Programme, um, it's the poorest kids that are over doubly affected um, um, by, um, you know, being overweight or obese than their um, more wealthy counterpart. And it is striking, isn't it, that this government is the one that talks constantly consistently about leveling up and yet this would seem to be absolutely fundamental to any mission to do that as you say education but also nutrition you know what we put into this generation will pay off in generations to come and uh, you talked about a dangerous pivot upwards um in the last year or so but it's a i mean that's quite literal isn't it because i think there's a shocking statistic that you found that if you catch covid and you're obese you're 50 percent more likely to die yeah if if you look at the map of britain where there's been a very high mortality rate of covid it tracks exactly the same as the map of poverty and the map of obesity so so we know uh that um there's more to play here it's it's really deep um and and i think like the job of the state i mean i think it's interesting of course we can all do better um but the the job of the state and the job of our wonderful democracy and the philosophies like the nhs which is healthcare for all and education for all is that any child can flourish so um you know we can see very blatantly that if you're rich um you know you're pretty much half uh you know it's it's half statistically um, ill health from overweight or, or obesity. Um, so we can see that the, you know, the poorer you are it is an interesting, you know, you can kind of get into, well, is it, um, you know, ethnic mix? Is it, is it, um, cultural? But ultimately <laughs> when you look in poor areas, they're advertised to more. Um, they have less fresh or real food available. Um, they, uh, have the most expensive ways to get anywhere or buy anything. Um, and, um, 
it really feels like that conversation around leveling up is just getting wider, wider and wider. So for me, leveling up is about delivering on the promises that have been made. And that's, <laughs> there's many that have been made, but you know, there's lots of good ideas. <laughs> there's no shortage of good ideas. There's no so shortage of data and science. And um, you will really struggle to find anyone in science or education that doesn't know for a fact that if a child is fed well, they'll learn much better. I mean, they're, they're talking like 10 to 15% better educational attainment if a child has moved briskly for 10 minutes and if they've had a good breakfast. You know, like, like th these are simple things that um, we've kind of, in some respects, paid for already. Like we just need to deliver on what's been planned in the past and thought of and mm. loved in the past. And you, you, you famously went to war against the turkey Twizzler. Um, do you think there are uh, certain kinds of food that should quite simply be banned or definitely not advertised? Um, I don't think really banned. I mean, I, I think um, I, I, I think it's a really interesting one. I mean, it's, it's very much one that gets into sort of the media sort of, I guess, conservative nanny state sort of vibes. Um, I mean, you could go around with a stick and ban things if you wish. But I think um, actually just telling the truth is a superpower. At the moment, we have a country that is now outside of Europe, so we can no longer use, you know, the, the, the um, politics of Europe uh, around labelling um, mm. as, you know, something to rely on to not do anything proactively. Like, um, we don't have one language of telling a parent on the fly if something is unhealthy or healthy. I, I don't think... I, I personally believe that if you give British people good, clear information, they often make great choices. If you lie to them, they're all over the place like a rash. We have no, it, it's voluntary for front of pack uh, color-coded nutritionals. That is so archaic. And I mean, like, again, I'm bored. Get on with it. Give the public clarity. Give busy, hardworking mums and dads clarity. Like, look, the, the most honest food that's out there is a bit of cake. A bit of cake has never lied to you, ever. And the, and the metaphor, and look, you, you know, if you have free slices, you know, you don't need to have a ban or something, you, you know, we all know. And if you indulge, you indulge. And if you do it every day of the week, you know the drill. Um, I think, you know, the metaphor of the turkey twizzler is that you thought it was a sausage, but it actually had hardly any meat in it. And there was a long list of additives and stabilizers and things, MSG, this, that, and the other to stabilize, mechanically reclaim meat. Um, which you probably didn't know was in it. Um, so it was about truth. So when you have to remember as well, 15 years ago, there were standards, you know, policed by law for dog food, but not for child food, not for a child's food in school, 190 days of the year, which is essentially a whole child's nutrition, half of a whole child's nutrition for their whole childhood. So when we created those standards by default, because there were standards in procurement, certain things couldn't be bought anymore. Because, you know, a commoner might say, because it was a load of old shite, uh, or, or someone a bit more eloquent would say, because the standards weren't high enough. There wasn't enough meat in the meat product. So, so honestly, a lot of stuff can be fixed by honesty, mm. clarity. We don't need algorithms or equations. Like the stuff we're fighting for is really basic. And we've done it for millennia. It's just feed the kids right, please. It's interesting you say that cake doesn't lie because um, parents sometimes do that. My friend Gina used to tell her daughter, my goddaughter, Romy, that um, sausages were cake. Because <laughs> 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 
Well, sausages are very good. <laughs> but this was her plan. It was to stop her daughter eating sweet stuff. I hope Romy's not listening now because she may not have admitted that to her yet. <laughs> She'll um, find out. <laughs> you're listening to Mariella Frostrup on Times Radio. Uh, my guest is the British chef icon legend that is uh, Jamie Oliver. Um, Jamie, before we move on uh, to yeah. other things, uh, tell me what it is uh, that you're calling on government to do. So what I'm calling for government to do and, and what I'm um, really reaching out to your audience to support is to measure the standards that were put in place 15 years ago and allow us to move on and progress and feed our kids right. I'm asking uh, them to probably use the Food Standards Agency who are already going into schools to check if compliance of the service is being delivered. If it's not, then we can build. There is enough love and passion to build the support and the strategies to allow a school to thrive out of undelivery to over-delivery, for sure. Um, uh, but we really want the government to be conscious about what's going on it's you know essentially a food system that is costing the taxpayer money it's your money it's your service and we need to tell you what's being delivered on so um we know if things we know if things are measured that things get done and we know if they're not that things are vague and get out of kilter uh, and that's where we're at we're also um, asking for schools and school heads to publish the results of this um, really to inspire thought and debate and conversation around what can we do as a community, as a parent group, as a, as a kind of, um, as a board of governors to allow your school to get out of the um, prognosis that you get. So uh, I think it's profoundly important now more than ever because of COVID uh, now more than ever, actually because of Brexit, dare I say it, uh, don't want to say the B word, but I think, you know, never have we needed, um, a healthier, more astute. Um... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Inspired cohort of young people to go into adult life in Britain. If, if we think we can flop out of school, um, not in great nick, physically, mentally, um, and compete against the developing nations of this world, then forget it. Forget it. So um, I, I think it's, I, you know, I think also like the, the school food provision and the whole the kind of importance and philosophies around it, it's been like a luxury, not a necessity. And I think like we just need to centralise, like, do you know what I mean? Like if, 
where how important is this to to um britain today and um mm. more than anything but i mean actually, i think I, the, I think the, sorry, the thing no. is most most parents will agree with you but you know getting traction uh, has proved incredibly difficult you know and 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 uh, as you say you know now now maybe you're going to be even even more enthusiastic dare i say uh, aggressive about it Look, um, but parents Parents are busy. They're juggling a thousand things. Being a good modern day parent, partner, you know, employee, boss. It's like it's it's hard, but the standards are good. You know, the standards were put there in 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 good faith. Like we, we if we deliver the standards, then we'll be doing the most amount of justice to British parents and, and especially British women. I think British women have been, um, uh, you know, the, I think they carry the burden of this. Uh, lack of consistency and, and lack of importance. I really do. Um, so, so uh, I think parents supporting closure. We're not creating the standards. We're not fighting for the debate. We just want to deliver on the promise and move on to the long list of other things that might help you or your child thrive. And, and ultimately, I think that's what it's all about. Well, Jamie, you've got a long list of other things that must require your attention. I know you had a pretty rubbish pandemic uh, in some in some ways. You know, I mean, you you, you had to close down an awful lot of your restaurants, um, but you also turned. I mean, I know this. I'm, I'm condensing time here, so forgive me. You also turned your uh, Jamie Oliver Group into a, a B corporation. So, yeah. I mean, how do you deal? with things when they go wrong, i.e., you know, what happened with the restaurant chain and how difficult a time was that for you? And how do you manage to keep your commitment to all the things that you're really committed to running alongside? Because you've said yourself, it doesn't pay to care, and yet you do seem to care. Yeah, I think it probably doesn't pay in the short term to care. I think um, in the medium and long term, it does. And I think, um, you know, uh, sometimes... um, the things that we've got wrong is because we're too early or first uh, and that might need the rigor of different types or sizes of business to get there first and work out things so others can come in behind so sometimes we've been too early sometimes um you know the, the business model wasn't quite right but the intention was amazing and and certainly in the restaurant group we had the best the best like um stats of mid-market dining uh, that I've ever seen anywhere on the globe. And then, of course, it, it, it all fell apart. And, you know, largely because of rents and rates and uh, my labour model. Um, but, you know, I What's think... What's your labour model? Labour model being um, cooking on site, which will become more and more unfashionable, especially but after COVID. You know, labour, having labour, getting labour, retaining labour, training labour, having people that can cook, not just reheat, is is uh, going to be the challenge of the next decade. Um, we, we, we were very good at it, but, but our model required too many people, which is too expensive, which means there's no margin, which means you die. Um, and we died. So um, I think, uh, you know, um, what's happening post COVID now will be a massive restructuring of the supply chain. So there'll be more serving up and, and heating rather than cooking on site. It'll be very rare to get restaurants that have butchery and fishmongery and marinating and all that. You know, that will become more and more scarce. 
So I don't think that's particularly good for food culture. No, so because got... to your point about healthy food, I mean, you know, f- forgetting children for just a moment or, or indeed embracing children and adults, um, you know, that's not a model for healthy food, is it? Because then you're talking about food that needs to be, um, you know, preserved for longer. Uh, you know, it, that, that's a massive, massive change to, to, to diet as well. Yeah, look, I, think, I think civic catering, you know, can be much more strategic and it can be strategic in its procurement, in its training, um, in what's done on site and what's not done on site. I mean, for sure, like there's schools in this country that are absolutely mind blowing, like mind blowing. Uh, and there's schools in really, um, you know, areas of massive poverty that are extraordinary. You know, so um, and definitely good practice is much, much more common. But that wasn't what we all bought into, like, like, you know, 20, 40 percent. We, we, we want to get closer to 100 percent. So uh, yeah, I, mean, I yeah. guess that's that narrative. But 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 I mean, I mean, I mean, the thing uh, you're saying about restaurants as well and that, uh, you know, we're going to get just it's just going to be lots of fast food outlets where things are, are, are reheated. That's a, a really yeah, depressing thought. If- I mean. How do you feel about that, those changes and, and how did you feel about the restaurants closing? Because it's quite a lot to take on as a oh, human yeah, being. Very, oh, very hard. Very hard. I mean, we've we've always had a very diverse business uh, and involved in a lot of things that the public don't know about and, and a lot of things that they do. And, you know, not all of it works all the time, but I think uh, you try and do the best version you can. You try and buy, you know, the whole point of being a B Corp is is that you know, which was something that we were very passionate to do and is a, is a growing trend, I guess, in contemporary businesses of all sizes is like um, they come in and look at you every three years and, and um, you have to fight to be accepted. But ultimately, it's not just about your profit and your loss and your, your accounts. They get that, but they get everything else. So it's it's about how you employ, what your goals are, you know, how you impact uh, you know your customers or the planet or your procurement so it's a really like I guess transparency is is the metaphor that B Corp is all about and but is that now impossible in the hospitality business uh, not really um, no I don't, don't think transparency is impossible I th- no I no think... not transparency but just all of the all of the 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 things that are care you, culture yeah. 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 Look, look. If you're saying to, is it easy to be a talented chef and make a margin and pay the bills? I'd say no. If you've got Domino's that are treated exactly the same as a contemporary, you know, local pub with chefs in it that that actually cook and are judged by the government, the tax man, and by EHO, all in the same way. Like you've got someone that's actually cooking and preparing on site, and and other people that are literally opening packs and like like. So if everything's skewing pre-production, pre-prep, reheat, um, lack of requirements of, of proper training in a craft instead of just anyone that could reheat. You know, what you have is, is, is a kind of, you're going to have a blooming of one sector and you're going to have a waning of, of, of the sector that Thanks for really listening to Mary Meets with me, Mary Ella the, You know, the flag There'll bearer be for the, the industry, right? You know, we're, we're, sure we know which ones we're going to name drop when you're up against other countries or getting awards or and talking about forget, British culture and live food. Edition of and my it's not going to be the latter. It's going to be the cooks and the pubs and the restaurants and the neighbourhood restaurants. So, um I, I do think if you look, if you look at the film industry, right, every time like they, they take all the tax breaks away 
and it all goes off to like Iceland. It goes off to like Istanbul and then they bring it back again and all the production comes back here again. And like that industry is spoon fed and has been for a long, long time. Right. Whether they like it or not, that's a fact of the tax man. Right. So you have to sort of say, you know, is the film industry as I, why are they given that? Is it because it's great for British culture or it, great for British film? Like, uh, yes, yes, yes. We love all that. We love the film industry. But I think like the restaurant industry is equally, you know, a stage and a set. And, um, you know, we have to allow British cooks to um, make, honestly, to, to make a quid, caring is hard. Like if you want to make money, then go and do something that you just reheat that has no care required, right? That's how to make a few bob. So, um I do think that that needs addressing and it can, by the way, that can be addressed and fixed quite easily in rates and um, tax, um, you mm. know, so, um, I mean, I think ultimately that, that is the job of government, right? To sort of look at an interest industry and see, you know, are we helping it flourish in all of its colors? Uh, there is room for everyone, by the way, I'm not saying it should be one way or the other, like everyone wants choice and everyone wants a little bit of this that, and the other but what you're going to see in Absolutely. the next two years is a massive change you've been very open in the past about your struggles with dyslexia and you say you left school resenting education uh, so much and, and it's just in the news today that ministers are preparing to back a move by matt hancock remember him the former health secretary that would bring in universal screening for dyslexia in primary schools would you back that idea and if they yeah. had had it in your time would it mean we wouldn't have jamie oliver as we have him today though <laughs> uh, i don't well where do i um Look, I mean, I'm a funny little cocktail of a human being and, and my path is definitely one full of zigzags. Um, however, I, first of all, I loved my school. I was happy there and I was safe. And that's the most important ingredient in any school. Um, I did struggle and I did resent the written word and reading and, uh, and ultimately the problem with dyslexia and any other ilk of that type is if you don't quite learn like all the other kids and if they can't, help you thrive and achieve. You can't define um, why it is. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough. And there's a, there, there is, a, I, I work in this area quite a bit. There's a lot of very beaten up, um, upset young people that just can't find their thing. And, and they've absolutely got that thing. It's just that they are judging themselves against other learners that learn a very specific mm. way. So, so I think, so I think the initiative's a great, mm. yeah, I think it's a great idea. And I think it's not just, so, uh, look, the screening of dyslexia is exactly the same as the school dinner standards, right? Now, so, so then what? So you found out that you're dyslexic, then what? So is there a plan in action? What happens? Where is the intervention? Like if we've got 40% of schools that are delivering on their standards, right? If we know that, and if we know who isn't delivering them, then what? So I, I think for me, all of this stuff is great. Progress is great. Of course, Matt's doing the right thing. Uh, and if they agree to it, that will be wonderful for kids and education um, and, and allowing all kids to flourish in the best ways but, they can. But there but, needs to be checks and balances, yeah. Well, yeah, how are they supported? Mm. Because these kids, mm. I, I know for myself, I, I live with my funny little brain. Um, I mean, it's useful in some places and an absolute nightmare in others. And, and if you come to my office, everyone goes, what do all these people do? And I say, they do everything I'm bad at and I'm bad at a lot. <laughs> So, um, so I think you just need to know how to, you need to learn to problem solve and, and for that, um, you know, you need to be shown.
Yeah, there needs to be follow-up. Um, Jamie, I've got literally seconds left. Well, I haven't. I've overrun by five minutes. But it's been fascinating talking to you. Come on, just tell us what you're having for Christmas dinner. What can we uh, do to zip it up? I'm so bored of mine. Okay, I, I'm doing. I'm going to crown my turkey uh, and roast that. I'm going to debone the legs and stuff that uh, so it's easy to slice. And I'm going to do a, a roast goose. And I'm doing the meat and the gravy. And I'm going to go down the road to my mum's, and she's doing all the veg, and my sister's doing dessert. And we are sharing the load, Britain. We are sharing the load. <laughs> <laughs>